Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. All right, good evening, and welcome to Growth University. Um, We had a wonderful missions weekend last weekend, a lot of exciting things going on at the Calvary Church. And tonight, we are excited to bring you our last installment of Getting to Know You. We have a wonderful guest, and it is my honor to interview her. And we're doing all of this based on Zoom because we're living in Ronaville here, and life is challenging, and we've got some quarantines going on. So um, we are winging this on Zoom tonight, but we hope that it's a meaningful time for you. I know it will be. And tonight we are going to interview Mickey Gardner, and she is well-known at the Calvary Church, a wonderful, wonderful woman of God and friend to so many. And some of you probably know a little bit of her life story, but probably not all of it. We're not sharing everything tonight, but we are sharing some wonderful details about her life and all that God has done for her. So I want to welcome you, Mickey, to Getting to Know You, Growth University. Thank you. Yes. And so we're going to just start with some general questions <laughs> about your early life and get to know you from when you were little. So could you just start by when you were born and where kind of the very beginning of Mickey? Gar- well, Mickey, not Mickey Gardner, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> I was born uh, November 23rd, 1958 in Lawton, Oklahoma, Fort yeah. Sill, uh, Fort Sill Army Hospital. Oh, wow. So you're a military kid. (laughs) And uh, who are your parents? Uh, Anita and Raymond Shahan, and they were both military in the army. My mom was a captain in the army, and my dad was a non-commissioned officer. He was a sergeant. So, you know, back then, dating an officer was kind of... they anyways that was yeah. that was them so you started out as a military uh kid and probably moved a lot and had yeah. a lot going on with that military life experience but we give honor to your family that's a wonderful heritage that your family served in the military we thank them yeah. um uh so i know you had a lot going on when you were a kid i've heard a little bit of your story but how Maybe you can share a little bit of that with us, your earliest memories or, you know, how your childhood really molded you as a person because you had a a lot going on in your childhood. Yeah, um, well, it was it was an unstable childhood, Mm -hmm. uh, to say the least. Um, We were military, so we were moving around a lot. And uh, but both of my parents were. alcoholics they had uh problems and so there was a lot of lot of dysfunction at home and uh so that coupled with moving was just uh was just difficult Mm -hmm. but as far as like how it would shape me as a person I I think it's made me um I look this word up because I, I feel like I'm a combination of an extrovert and an in, invert, introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked it up and it's a, I'm an ambivert. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And 
I'm definitely an overthinker, okay. you know, and that just can stifle me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I rebound fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's made me very super sensitive to people, yeah. especially children. Yeah. Um, I am a fixer by nature, but I think a lot of times women are like that. Yes. And, uh, and I tend to be an enabler. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm very eclectic. And, yeah. you know, you know that, Diana. Yes. Uh, I'm eclectic in uh, just how I, you know, decorate my home. But I feel like I'm eclectic in my, in what I do in life. I just can kind of be all over the place. So in a great way, in a wonderful way, all over the place. Sometimes. So um, do you have an early memory, something that, you know, very early on that you remember? Yeah, I think probably one of the earliest is uh, I can remember my dad came from a family of farmers, dairy Mm -hmm. farmers, cattle farmers, that kind of thing. So back in probably around kindergarten, we were stationed in Oklahoma and his family's from Oklahoma and we would travel to Tulsa. We were at Fort Sill. We would go to uh, Tulsa Mm -hmm. and um, we would visit my mainly staying with one particular aunt and uncle and my grandmother lived with them. And so we would go there and it was just, those were very happy memories. We would being on the farm and I had lots of cousins and we would all sleep at night. We would sleep in the same room. They would set up cots and we, and they had one big stove in there to heat the room. And, uh, but I can remember waking up early in the morning and hearing my aunt, my grandma, my mom, you know, just all the adults out there talking because they were fixing breakfast and you could hear the dishes clanking and you could hear, you know, I could just hear different things and they would laugh. And then, then I would smell the food, you know, you're making me hungry right now. (laughs) I know, but that was just, I just remember that it was just a good feeling. Mm -hmm. Beautiful memory. Um, I've heard you tell the story of how you spent some time in an orphanage, I think more in your adolescent years. And obviously that was a difficult time for you and your family. Can you just tell us a little bit about that experience and maybe what took you to the orphanage? And then, you know, uh, because I think that's what brought you to Cincinnati. Well, um, actually, when when I was probably about second grade, we, you know, mom and dad both drank, as I said, and a um, lot of fighting, a lot of violence, a lot of just, you know, mm-hmm. just a lot of dysfunction. So when I was about in the second grade, I think between first and second grade, um, it it culminated to a point of uh just very serious. Mm-hmm. And my mom put my brother, my little brother and I on a plane and sent us to Ohio because we were, we were in Oklahoma still at that point. Wow. And um, her family's here. She comes from a very strong Catholic family and they were in Ohio, her, all of her sisters. So we were, we came here, we stayed with um, my her one sister and her family until my mom could get things settled and then come to Ohio. And, um, so from there they helped mom get on her feet and we got our own place. And 
probably for about three years, it was just very, it was difficult. Mom was, uh, she was a very beautiful woman. She was a a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. So she would find good jobs, but because of her drinking, um, she would lose her jobs. Um, My aunts, my, you know, her relatives would have to come in, help us again. And so finally, after about three years, my brother and I were, uh, we were delinquents. <laughs> we, were, we were running the streets and she couldn't, she just couldn't take care of us anymore. It was just, she, I think my mom was depressed and that, and she was in bondage with the alcohol. And so at that time, um, you know, the Catholics, there was a Catholic orphanage. It's still in town, St. Aloysius. Wow. And at that time, it was actually children would go there and live. Mm. It's still around today, but it's more of a behavioral health, uh, special education for children. They don't stay there. They go there during the day. So we went there and we lived. And I was there for two years. My brother was there for three years. And we would get to go home on Sundays with my mom. And during that time, she went to AA and she actually, um, you know, got got on her feet and uh, and then I stayed there. It, they only go to the eighth grade. And then in eighth grade, I had to leave. And wow. and then my brother, that's why my brother was there a year longer. My goodness. Wow. But it was some of the best. It was some of the most stable years of our life. You know, we had <laughs> we had uh, we had you know, meals, regular meals, regular bedtimes. We were on a regular schedule. We were at school. Uh, We made friends there. It was ran by the nuns of Notre Dame. And while they were strict, they were very good to us. Um, So I have a lot of good memories. That's awesome. I'm so thankful that was there for you and your family. You can see by your comments, how important things like that are in our society to help people who are really in a bad, bad situation. So, well, let's talk about your family now, because wow, you came maybe from a smaller beginning, but now you got a big family, a lot going on with your family. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Well, yeah, we, uh, so it was me and my brother, full brother. He's younger. He's 10, we're 10 months apart. So there's one month out of the year. We're the same age, Uh, (laughs) but so he lives here in Cincinnati and of uh, several years back, um, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years, um, just through a course of events, we actually, uh, when my mom and dad divorced, he, uh, he actually had been married before my mom and he had three children from that marriage, but we actually got reconnect or got connected with those siblings and they are two are in Washington state, one's in Idaho. And so I have another brother and two sisters and we reconnected or got connected and we're very close now. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's neat. The oldest sister is the one that kept initiating all of it. Mm-hmm. I personally was thought I don't have the energy for this, but, <laughs> And my brother out there was the same way. And, uh, but when we met, I don't know, and shared our stories, it's like, we're just, we're hooked. That's awesome. Wow. Wonderful. And now, of course, with Bill, you've got, you have children and Bill has children and you have um, 
grandchildren and stepchildren and you've yeah. got a whole lot. Just give yeah. us a quick lowdown low of the family there. <laughs> I have I have a son and a daughter mm -hmm. um, that who are amazing. Mm -hmm. And then Bill has uh, two sons and a daughter. We're very connected with them. Between all of us, we have 12 grandchildren and one great-grandchild. And they're all... <laughs> They're all amazing. Yes. We're very close with, and my, like my daughter-in-law's in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very special to me. And so now you have a great sense of family with uh, all kinds of family. Yes. <laughs> so that's wonderful. Yes, I feel like God has done more than I can ever imagine. Yes. And now how long have you and Bill been married? Bill and I have been married. It will be 19 years in February. Wow. And, uh, we got a late start. I, I tell him that if we ever make it to a 50th anniversary, he will be 103. <laughs> well, there you have it. I hope you do. I believe you will, Mickey. I know. I know. <laughs> and so uh, life with Bill has been good. I remember you telling me that um, when you were going to get married, you went to uh, Bishop Pasley and said, Norman R. Pasley said, oh, we're just going to get married in the office. And I think he talked you out of it and ended up everybody was celebrating you and Bill getting married. And we're very happy for both. Yeah. Yeah. He just yeah, went from a little ceremony in his office to 250 people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because everybody wanted to celebrate no, you. No. So tell me something you love about Bill. We all love Bill, but what's one thing that you love about Bill? Well, I think, and, and this is just one of the things I think that just has always, uh, I don't know. It's his simplicity mm -hmm. of, of life, of looking at life. Um, he is happy with basics mm -hmm. and, and he makes me laugh. Like, <laughs> and the older we get, the more we laugh, the more we laugh. I have to laugh at, I guess. I <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, <laughs> I think you and Bill together are a wonderful part of the Calvary church and we're very thankful for all the good things in your life. Let me ask you a few uh, questions about your life in general. Who's the person who's influenced your life the most? Do you think? Oh, well, Oh my goodness. Um, I, there's been so many people. I think uh, you have oh, been. Oh, Mick. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. I mean, I think of all the, the just people at TCA, just working with the staff at TCA. Um, there's been just TCC in general. I mean, there's so many people. I feel like I have little pieces mm -hmm. of so many people inside of me that make me up, you know, yeah. I guess the one person, if I had to pick one person besides Bill, <laughs> that would be, uh, my best friend, Sharon. Yeah. Um, I don't know her, uh, her wit and her humor are so much fun. Mm -hmm. Her love for the church and the old school things of God. Mm -hmm. uh, they've challenged me in my own walk with God. Um, we talk uh, every day almost and sometimes two and three, four times a day. And we can laugh at the silliest things. She's, she can be, her honesty sometimes is almost brutal. But, uh, <laughs> and we she, all need a friend like that. Iron well, sharp, it's, iron. True. it's true. And that's, that's, I guess, my closest friends are people, it's the whole iron sharpens iron. I, I want people in that, in my life like that, that will, 
that will challenge me and will tell me, you know, yeah. when I'm getting off the path, you know? Yeah. So, um, why don't you tell me what your favorite things to do are? I think I know some of them, but why don't you share what they are? Well, cooking and baking. I love that. And recently I got into, uh, through my sister in Washington, candy making Ooh. and, uh, yeah, just, about a year ago and I enjoy that and uh, sewing and reading um, I am definitely not a uh, Celicia Wheeler though with the sewing <laughs> uh, but uh, I love audiobooks I love to listen to audiobooks because then I can keep doing stuff and yeah <laughs> but I probably my all-time favorite is gardening Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing you're known for. And I know you've helped me so many times when I get ready, when the spring comes around, I'm like, Mickey, please come over to my house and tell me what to do with these flowers. So, um, oh, that's awesome. If you had a perfect day, a day that was perfect for you, what would that look like? Um, probably just a simple day of just getting up early. Uh, maybe Bill and I fixing breakfast and, um, you know, maybe running errands and, and then going and working in the yard. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We love to work in the yard together and then, uh, working hard in the Mm -hmm. yard. And then just, you know, especially if it's in the fall or whatever, just sitting, sitting in the living room and he could be reading something. I could be reading something or just listening to music. We build a fire. Just, it sounds like a perfect day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, hey, if money was no object, what would you buy? Is there anything you would buy? Say it didn't matter what the cost was. Um, well, I, I did think about this. I I think what I would do, and there's been different ones of us that have talked about this. I think I'd buy a big house near the church that we could have people come, we could feed them, and then uh, a place to teach life skills. Mm. You know, uh, just uh, working with people that have struggled in life. And, you know, we've got so many wonderful people on our church with all kinds of skills, but just teaching young girls, uh, how to maybe take care of their children or how to cook, how to keep a house, you know, men teaching them life skills, carpentry, you know, different things like that. And then have an animal shelter. Mickey. <laughs> yes, that's who you are. <laughs> no living things get not even spiders or bugs. No, everything living is protected with Mickey. Um, well, tell us something that most people don't know about you. Um, I could speak French as a little girl. <laughs> Can I, you- was, I was real young. We were stationed in France. That's where my brother was born, actually. Wow. And uh, my mom said that uh, we had a French maid. And, uh, I could, I, I don't know. I don't remember any of it, but she said I could talk with her and I would have to translate, you know, what she was saying. So That's awesome. I can't imagine a two and three year old translating, but yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Mickey. Okay. Ready. If you had to pick a dog or a cat, which would you pick? Uh, I love them both, but I guess I would, I would pick a cat just because they're easier you have had cats and you still have cats you raise cats yes 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 
Um, what yes. kind of jobs have you had in your life? Well, I've worked as a nurse's aide when I was a teenager through oh. high school because my mom was a nurse and she worked, she worked in a nursing home. And uh, so I worked in that. And then um, I worked in a box factory for about five years on a, on a line. Uh, I did consumer credit for about 15 years. Five of that was like fraud prevention. Um, I did accounts receivable at Scholastic. I worked for two real estate attorneys doing title work, uh, was a claims adjuster uh, for about three years. And currently I work at the Calvary Academy, the office administrator. Yes. And we are so glad that you do what a job you've done there. And everyone loves to come in and talk to Mickey because you make our lives happier. That's for sure. Um, What's the happiest moment of your life? If you had to pick a moment in your life, that was just the happiest, what would it be? I, I guess I would just say the, it would kind of be equal three different things when my children were born and the day I married Bill Gardner. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Is there something that you're really proud of in your life? I think my years at TCA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great investment. I'm yeah. getting choked up here. Great investment. And a lot of people. Don't yeah. do it or I'll get choked. <laughs> um, and what are the most important lessons that you've learned in your life that you feel like you could share with us? Um, you know, I think the older I get, I realize, and the longer I live for God, I realize the more I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I guess I'm learning to not be quick to judge people or situations, uh, mm-hmm. to not try to act or react in anger, yeah. um, to err on the side of mercy Mm-hmm. definitely um try to keep my mouth shut <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and not to place expectations on people yeah um i think that's a big one i've been learning over the last few years um especially with my poor children <laughs> you know um and to be thankful for what i have and who i have in my life mm-hmm. right now yeah and and to talk to god Mm -hmm. a lot and about everything (laughs) about everything yes wow if we could all learn those lessons and live that way I think we'd all be more peaceful wouldn't we yeah let's turn to your spiritual journey because I feel like one of the most significant things you could share with us today is the journey that you made to really find Christ and live the life you're living now after hearing a little bit about your childhood and the way you were raised and knowing just understanding how much turmoil that had brought into your life. I feel like your journey to Christ is significant and we really want to focus on that for the rest of this evening. Your teenage years and early adult life were filled with a lot of challenges. Can you describe that part of your life for us or share some of that? Yeah. Um, after I left the orphanage, I went to live with mom and, um, she had gone to AA. She'd been sober for about a year. So I started, uh, first couple months, I think I went, I was, I went back in the summer. So the first couple months, it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was still a lot of, there was a lot of pent up anger inside of me. But when I started high school, I, I started high school and, um, 
I probably within the first three weeks, when I was in the orphanage, I became, I was an A student. Like I loved school. I was doing very well. And so I was fully prepared to start high school. But I, within three weeks, I got involved with the wrong crowd and probably halfway through my freshman year, I was full fledged head head first into the whole world of drugs and the life that comes with that. And so I quit school at the end of my sophomore year um, because I had gotten pregnant and um, um, just trying to maneuver through all of that. I, I did stop doing drugs while I was pregnant um, and did keep the baby, which is my Amber today. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, uh, just, you know, once she was born, I, I was just messed up and went, you know, was, went back into the drugs, not as heavy probably as I was in high school. Um, but, and then I started dabbling in the occult. Um, it was, it was as if I, it was just, it just kept getting darker and darker and darker inside of me. And I just kept feeling more and more hopeless. And then, you know, when you add a child, you're, uh, you know, you're a, a teenage mom. I was 17 years old when I had her. Um, just you at, put all that together and yeah. it's just a bad it's a bad concoction. Yes. Wow. So when did things really start to change for you or how, how did that turn around or how did your life get on a different track? Well, I, um, I started having, I was about 20 and I was, I had a job. I had gotten on with the box factory. So I actually was working, but I was, I uh, had been in and out of several different relationships and uh, and just, you know, life, I, I just felt kind of used up by 20 years old. Wow. And I started having these, I was brought up Catholic. And um, I, st- I thought, well, I started having all these feelings, rumblings about God. Mm. And, but all I knew was the Catholic Church. So I tried to go back, tried to go to the, you know, mass and get connected there. And I, I just couldn't, just couldn't do it. So I just kind of told God one day, if there really was a God, you know, I just said, you know, I knew I was a bad person. Nobody needed to tell me that I was. And I just thought, I'll just live my life and go to hell. You know, if that's, if there is a heaven and there's a hell, whatever. And, um, um, but one day I was sitting on the front steps of my mom's house and, and, uh, Amber was in her little pool playing and, um, this local a man from a local church was walking around the neighborhood looking for um, children. He did a bus ministry for their church and looking to see if he could pick up children for the uh, take to Sunday school. So I started talking to him. He started asking me and I was like, yeah. And, and, and uh, he just started asking me, I'm sure he could look at me and think this girl needs God. And, um, <laughs> He just started asking me, I just told him, I said, yeah, I've been 
feeling these things about God, but I, I just don't. Well, he told me about repentance and about the rapture of the church. And um, he uh, just told me all these, these different things and kind of told me that I could be saved. I'd never heard that word before. Mm. Well, he just did a little prayer. I said, yeah, I want it. And I, he just said this little prayer on the front steps of my mom's house with me. I didn't say a word, but in my mind, I was thinking, God, if all this is real, I, I want it. Yeah. And um, I didn't feel anything really. He just, and I was living a very immoral lifestyle. And I remember even asking him, I said to him, I said, now, um, you know, if I continue to do things that I know are wrong, and he said, just ask God to forgive you and you're still saved, you know. And I said, wow, this, is, this works. <laughs> the next morning I woke up and I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that it's just God. I had this awareness. I woke up and it was as if God was right there saying good morning and like I could feel his smile. It was like I had this awareness of Jesus Christ. Wow. And um I don't know that that started it. And then I worked where I worked. There was a woman that went to a church of God. God just led me mm -hmm. just, you know, line by line, little steps here and there. And, uh, I went, I tried to go to one church and I just kept thinking there's gotta be more than this. And I worked with a girl that was church of God and they believed in the baptism of the Holy ghost. And she started, I started talking to her at work and she, she said, uh, she goes, yeah, there's more. And uh, <laughs> so I started going to church with her and started going to a little church of God, a little storefront church of God in Norwood. And those were the sweetest days. Mm. But I, I remember, I think it's, I, I want to share this part. I think it's important for people that are maybe coming in to this or, or they know God's drawn them, but they don't know what to do. I would go to that little storefront church and, you know, I had gotten involved with the occult and I had, and the whole life of drugs, you open yourself up to so many things. We are spirit beings that live inside of a vessel, mm -hmm. you know, and um, we do a lot of things to this vessel that affect us. Mm -hmm. Well, I kept trying to go to that. I would go to that little church, but, and people around me would be feeling God. I could see it. I could see things happening to them. And I couldn't feel anything. I, I just couldn't feel anything. You know, when you're doing drugs, that's the one of the things that just keeps you in that life of drugs because you become so numb. And then you only feel when you're doing drugs. So I, I, uh, I just kept going to that little church. And one night I just kept thinking, God, I'm just going to give up. There's, you don't want me, you know. And I can remember thinking, God saying, no, just go tonight. And I went to that little church and that night I went up to the altar like I always did and got prayed for and nothing would happen. So I'd go back. I went back to my seat and we were getting ready to um, the pastor, little pastor. He said he was getting ready to dismiss. And all of a sudden I was just sitting in this pew over against the wall. And it was like hot. I felt something warm on my head and it, and it was like something just started just flowing down my face. And when it got here, it was like my head went back 
and my mouth opened. And when it got to my shoulders, it was like I could feel my hands going up and it kept going down. And when it got to my stomach and I did not know anything about any of this. When it got to my stomach, it was like somebody turned a switch on mm. and inserted a funnel inside of me. And all these, it was like this wind started coming out of my belly, out my throat, out my mouth. And all you could hear all these wails and screams. And it wasn't my voice. It was the weirdest thing. It only lasted like maybe 10 seconds or something. And then it just stopped like that. And I leaned up against the wall and I was just, I was just sobbing, sobbing. So I felt like a rag that had just been wrung out. And I just, I'm, I'm leaning up against the wall and I'm just sobbing and I'm laughing, half laughing. And I'm just going, Oh my God, what? you know, I'm just looking around at people What's and everybody that? was like staring. This is a little church of God. And they taught about casting out demons and stuff, you know, but I don't think they knew what to do. And I, <laughs> and I just, I'm looking around at everybody and I looked up at the pastor and they're all looking at me <laughs> and he just says, well, bless God, you're all dismissed. <laughs> I what to do. Oh, my goodness. But from that day on, I could feel the presence of God. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost later, but that was, it was a, it was like a flushing out. Like, oh, it was like, it was like all that darkness inside of me met the light. And it was just like an explosion. Wow. Oh, praise God, Mickey. I've never, that experience has carried me through some of the darkest times in my life, you know, after living, because we all go through things and, but, you know, there's times you go through things and the enemy will tell you you're not God's child or you might as well give up or, Mm. or you're, you know, whatever. But I always would go back to that time. I thought, God, you called me. I wasn't thinking about you. You called me. Yeah. Wow, what a incredible story of God's delivering power in your life and and you needed it, I'm sure, <laughs> to begin that journey of wholeness and to find help for the brokenness that was in your life. And so is that is that the point when you were no longer doing drugs? Is that when drugs no longer were a part of your life, that deliverance yeah. at that time? Yeah, that that experience broke that hold in my life instantaneously. Mm. Wow. I had no desire for it. Now, of course, that was all new. There were times later that I, you know, just through life, I would be tempted. But the, but the thing that I knew was that I was no longer a slave. Wow. I was no longer when I, I was in such bondage before and just that with the drugs getting into the occult, the things I opened myself up to, they were in control. Yeah. That was in control. I, I felt like a prisoner for so many years inside. I would do things that I, I hated. I hated myself for, I was ashamed of. I did. I, I wouldn't even begin to say some of the things that I did in my lifetime Mm. that I was so ashamed of. But when that experience happened in my life, it was, I, I look at that like God spoke, just spoke the word down from heaven. And, and it just, I feel like it came like an arrow. Yeah. <laughs> it hit me and exploded in my life and broke every, every one of those bondages in my life. Wow. Now you, you know, I've had to grow. 
Yeah, sure. So you get that deliverance, but yeah. You know, if you could give a, a word of encouragement or any thought for someone maybe who is dealing with addiction or someone who has lived in a life, you know, on drugs or whatever, could you just give a quick word and say, Hey, here's my thought for you or my advice to you or my encouragement to you? Yeah. I would just say, don't believe the lies. Mm -hmm. Don't believe, you know, the voices in your head that tell you that your life is never going to change. That there's no hope. I, I would just say, keep hoping. Amen. <laughs> um, and don't be afraid to make the changes in your life. You know, yeah. I had at that, that event was, was miraculous in my life, but I had a lot of work to do mm-hmm. after that. It was a long journey of coming out of that life, uh, coming into a new life. You know, we've all always heard God brings you out to bring you in. Yeah. <laughs> that was, and that journey is still, but God was there. Yeah, there were, okay. I had relationships that I had to, I had to get out of, and yeah. it was only through God helping me that mm-hmm. I was able to do that. So I would just say, don't be afraid to make those changes. You yeah. trust your life. With, don't think that you can't live your life without. I would hear things like, "You'll never be able to go without smoking another joint or drinking another beer or doing this or doing that," and I would think, "No." Mm-hmm. God, I could hear God's voice saying, no, that's, that's my battle in you. You just do what you know to do. Yeah. Wow. Mickey, what a great word of encouragement. So how did you come to the Calvary church? Cause all of that happened before you even came to Calvary. Um, I had a friend call me. I was going to that little church of God and I was still seeking for the Holy ghost. I still would go up and I would still, I wanted, I had been cleansed and delivered, but I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain all that, but I knew I still needed this, the experience of the Holy Ghost. And uh, even though I, I knew God was with me, that kind of thing. Yeah. But anyways, I got a phone call one day from a friend, Vicki Jackson, that we had been, you know, part of the crowd that we had partied together. I probably hadn't seen her for about five years. And she called me out of the blue. She was going to Brother Pasley's. Uh, the old building on Kemper mm-hmm. and it was, and it was actually her with uh, about three or four other people. It was almost like at that time, it was like, God just did a, a gathering in of us all, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but she called me and she was telling me about brother Pasley's and I was telling her that I had gotten saved too, you know? And so we got together, we started connecting that way. And well, then she slowly, slowly started introducing Jesus name doctrine to me and, Mm -hmm. and um, just to make a long story short, she was, I was so, I I was so exuberant about it, you know, everything I learned. And and so I went to my pastor at little church of God and sharing with him. Well, you know, he started telling me, uh, well, now, you know, you need to be careful. There's those Jesus name people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyways, I just, I told her, I said, well, I don't, I don't know if I should, uh, if I should keep talking with you. And she was like, that's okay, Mickey, I'll just keep praying for you. And but anyways, just through progress of time, every time I, I'd open up the scriptures, I would see something about Jesus name baptism or the oneness of God or something. So I just called her one night and I said, I, I've got to go. Mm-hmm. I've got to go to, to, I've just got to try it. I was scared to death. 
but I thought I got to go. And I knelt down that night before I went, told the Lord, I said, I just need to hear from you. He gave me two scriptures Mm. um, that night that I took as confirmation to go. And that night in the service, there was a tongues and interpretation that came forth. And both of those scriptures were given in the interpretation. And I just sat there and wept like, okay, God, (laughs) this is is where I should go, you know? (laughs) Wow. So then you were baptized and received the Holy Ghost then after coming to Calvary? I was re-baptized because I'd been baptized, you know, in the titles in the little church of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just uh, when I came, I got, I got re-baptized and, and then one night, 3, 3 a.m. in the morning, we called Brother Walker and uh, he came out and baptized me at three in the morning. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I got the Holy ghost. And, uh, so if you could offer any advice to people who are beginning their walk with God, what would you say? What would you tell them? I would just say to jump in with both feet and stay in the process. Yeah. Um, just stay in the process. It, you know, there's going to be, things that try to snag you up along the way, but, um, yield yourself to, uh, the leadership, uh, you know, be there, stay in the word of God. Mm -hmm. It's really just all the basics. And, and it's for a reason, you know, you people say, Oh, read your Bible, go to church, but it really is that simple. It is, you know, surround yourself with people that love God and the whole idea, there's times you go through things, you don't feel like going to church, you know, you don't feel like doing it, but make yourself do it because it's in those processes of Mm -hmm. faithfulness that things happen. Yeah. You know, if, if I hadn't gone to church every time, I wouldn't have heard the message that, you know, heard a certain message that ministered to me or somebody came up to me and said something or you know, it yeah. <laughs> just, when you keep yourself in that path, yeah. you, you allow God to bless you. We make it harder on ourselves when we, when we don't do the things we know to do. Yeah, you're right. Well, that's excellent advice and very true. Let's think about all you've done at Calvary. Cause you've been here now for, wow. How, I don't know how many years, a long time, but um, you've been involved in a lot of different ministries and so can you just share some of those and maybe what the ministries you're serving in now? Could you share those? Um, well, the um, it used to be the ACTS program, Alcohol Chemical Treatment Series. We had that going for years. There were several that were involved, Gary and Dagmar, Bill, different, like all, there was a lot of people still in that. Um, done the nursery and children's ministry. Uh, <laughs> Children's ministry was at the prompting of Brother Pasley, Brother Norman Pasley. I didn't, um, Bible studies, jail ministry uh, for probably about 10 years with Brother Joe. He's amazing. That was, those were awesome, awesome years. And then we would also go to 2020, mm-hmm. the juvenile detention center. Um, Johnny Grant uh, is one that would go, Loretta Buell. And I'm telling you, some of those years were some of the hardest Mm. Um, teenagers trying to reach teenagers that are in, you know, incarcerated like that. It's very hard. It's harder than adults because they're not broken. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there's there's 
I mean, every time we'd go in, we would be a nervous wreck, like, God, what are we going to do here? And he would help us like break, you know, we'd have to break through those walls every time we go, but he would just move in those sessions. Um, Just, I don't know. I was in the choir for a little bit that, no, I'm not a singer. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure you made a joyful noise, Mickey. I'm sure you did. (laughs) All right. <laughs> what are the ministries you're involved in right now? Um, well, uh, Serve City, Soul Ministry, mm-hmm. PCA. Yes. Uh, yeah. Ushering. Yes, with your husband, Bill. You are a wonderful usher with your husband, Bill. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Serve City and Soul Ministry? Because I think everybody at Calvary, when we think of those community service organizations and how we're connected. Your name is always at the top of the list because you really champion those causes for us and speak to a, you know, helping us connect with people that are in need like that. And obviously when you see your life and what you've been through, there's got to be a connection there and motivations. So tell us a little bit about Surf City and Soul Ministry. Well, Surf City is um, going to the homeless shelter in um, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what it's called, Surf City Chosen. And it just once a month, mm-hmm. we take a meal and go down there. But that involves the whole church. There's mm-hmm. probably 50-something people in the church that um, I just kind of facilitate the calendar and getting those teams together and giving them a menu and people fix food. It's been a little difficult this year. We've, we're in our fifth year, getting ready to close out the fifth year. This year's been difficult. We've had to just drop the meal off um, quite a few times just because of COVID. COVID, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, um, but it's, that's a blessing to just go there. We, we just go and feed them. And, and, you know, we just, sometimes we get opportunities if, if they want to sit around and talk, then we'll talk with them. Soul ministry is, um, I'm on the board. Faith Crawford is on the board with me. Um, and we just, uh, it's amazing working with those people. It's just the, uh, board of churches in the area that make up that, that ministry. Um, there's probably about 12 to 15 civic organizations or churches and they're just the, you know, Bunny and Bonnie and Sue, the ones that run that they're just amazing. Yeah. What a wonderful way to serve the community and stay connected to people that are in need. And I know that's in your heart. Um, what does the Calvary Church mean to you? When you think of the Calvary Church, what does that mean to you, Mick? Oh, gosh. I, you know, for me, it changed, I mean, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. When I came in the church, when I came here, I, uh, it was like coming home. Mm-hmm. You know, it was I don't know. It was like a spiritual nursery at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, they just, they would just gather in the new converts and we had new converts classes. We had um, personal Bible studies. And uh, I, I feel like God gave me and did inside of me everything that I should have learned as a child, you wow. know, just, yeah character things that you just just simple things that uh and i'm you know i'm still amazed at uh you know just working with people in this church and how 
they're just amazing. And I, I just wonder sometimes, you know, how did this ghetto chick get to work with all these people? And, how, you know, I don't know. I just feel it's just my, it's just been my life. You know, it's given me purpose. Um, I found friends, family, mm-hmm. uh, friends that are like family. Uh, it, it's, you know, a lot of fun. We've had fun. <laughs> well, just, we're, we're really glad this ghetto chick joined Calvary <laughs> Church. Oh, Mickey, you have touched so many people with your love and compassion and your gift of hospitality. That's a gift that you have. You've taken people into your home just since I've lived here in Cincinnati. I've watched you and Bill one after another have people live with you and care for them. You fixed countless meals and helped in so many practical ways and extended friendship to many people like me. I know. <laughs> I'm glad they asked me to do this interview with you. I am too. Um, you're a person of prayer and integrity. And your love for the word of God is almost unmatched. I, I, I come into the office all the time and all of a sudden you got a scripture that God gave you that morning. And it's like, thank you for sharing that because I needed that word today. I think you should write a book. We've talked about you writing a book of devotions. I hope you'll do it. You've made a lot of impact. But now you're getting closer to retirement and you're looking forward to a, a new season in your life. And as you do and you're making these changes, what are your goals? What are you looking for in this last uh, leg of your journey to really uh, make your walk with God what it you know what you want it to be or your impact? What do you want it to be? Oh, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about it. Um, I I do miss I miss working one on one with the the uh, women from the jail, like especially when they you know, when they would get out, just trying to do that. It's, it's hard to juggle all that though and work full time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. I've just been praying for God to, cause I certainly don't want to stop, you know, yeah. that's what I'm feeling is like God, I don't feel like God saves us to, um, and then, you know, you come to a certain point in your life and you go, okay, yeah. To me, like to just sit back and not be busy doing something. I mean, I'm looking forward to, I want to do flower farming. I've been thinking about that and just doing different things. But I want to be involved in in whatever God's got planned. And I'm just praying. I'm just praying for direction in that area and whatever I can do. Um. You have a favorite verse of scripture. You want to share it? You've probably got a hundred, but you have one that you could share with us as we're finishing up tonight. Um, well, I think uh, the one that's kind of been a mantra for my life, it was one of the first scriptures that God gave me when I came in the church was Proverbs sixteen three: commit thy works unto the Lord and he will establish your thoughts. Because mm. I was so messed up, you know, my thoughts, thought life, Cause that's where our battle is, you know? And, uh, I just felt like God was saying, you know, Mickey, just do what you know to do. Mm-hmm. And I will take care of healing your thoughts. Yeah. And when those get healed, you know, it, 
helps us in life. So wow, beautiful verse. Well, thank you for sharing your life with all of us, not just tonight in Growth University, but all the time, because that's who you are. You touch so many people with your wonderful gifts. And um, tonight as we're concluding, Mick, would you pray for us, pray for the Calvary Church and our church family, and just uh, pray for us as we're closing out tonight. I love you. Thank you. I love you too, Diane. (laughs) Father, I thank you so much, God, for your love for us, Lord. It has made the difference in all of our lives. And you have loved us, God, so that we can love others. And Father, I just pray for our church as I think of all the different people of Calvary and uh, just how our lives have come together. You bring us from so many different places and you make us a people that we're not a people, God. We are truly the sheep of your pastor. God, you have made us. And God, I just pray, God, for a covering over us. You that you know the future, God, you know, the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end and all the in between. And God, I just ask that you would help us, help us to remember to call on you in times of need, God, not to just fall apart. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, God, more and more, we need your spirit. We need your spirit in these last days. Help us to desire the gifts. Help us to desire, God, to be used by you. Um, Pour your spirit out on us, Lord, because without you, we are nothing. We are nothing. We don't even want to go forward without you. Right. I ask that you strengthen our leadership, God. Strengthen our leadership. I cannot even imagine trying to do church or be a leader, God, in these days. So many things, so many situations that seem so complicated to us, but God, they are not to you. I pray for divine wisdom over our leaders, God. Yes. I pray for protection over their lives. Help us, God, in the days to come. We want to be ready when you come. We want to be ready. God, just saturate us with your love. Continue to work in us, Lord. We'll give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Beautiful. Thank you, Mickey. And thank you for coming to Growth University virtually tonight. And we're looking forward to seeing you on Sunday, a wonderful Sunday planned with a lot of celebrations for Christmas and special guests. And this this whole series, uh, Getting to Know You, has been so special for Calvary. And Mick, thank you so much for joining us tonight. All right, Calvary, we love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, 
or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.